0: good morning church let's stand let's worship together the weapon may be formed but it won't prosper when the darkness falls it won't prevail cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph and my God will never Yes, my God will never fail I'm going to see a victory I'm going to see a victory I'm going to see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord And I'm going to see a victory
1: something to be thankful for this morning. Anybody in this place got a little something to be thankful for? We're going to continue our time of worship, but I just want to take a moment and pray. We like to center in, make sure that we're not just kind of here going through the motions, do what we got to do, but really centering in on uh, what God has in store for us today. I believe that you showed up. God's going to show up as well. You didn't come to church just to hang out and sit and listen to a message. You came to engage with God, and he is here to engage with you. So we're going to worship, but we're going to pray really quickly because I believe that God's got something special to say to you, and I guarantee you it's not going to sound as harsh or as ugly as you might be afraid it might come across. He's got loving things to say, so we're going to pray. Father, this morning, as we continue our time of worship, I pray that you would just open our hearts. You are not... um, Seeking to condemn us, to make us feel worse, or to add to the anxiety, the stress, the fear, the tensions, the struggles of this life, God, you are here to take them off, to release us, to free us, to be able to connect, focus on you, and see you as God, our provider, our friend. This morning we just offer you all of our needs, the things that are holding us back, weighing on us this morning. Father, I pray that we would begin to feel the shift as we put everything, all our cares on you. Thank you, Jesus. Be glorified as we continue our worship. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to sing.
0: just a word, and suddenly I'm not afraid, cause when you speak, free and there is hope, in every single word you say, and I don't
2: to
3: try
1: privilege of getting to encourage us in our giving this morning. And it's something that uh, as a, a staff, we started praying through because when you have an hour and a half with folks, you want to make sure that every minute counts. You know, you, you only got this. This is all we got. We don't want to waste any time. But we really felt like there was something important to be said about making an intentional time uh, to just talk about, you um, Things that God values, that Jesus spent a lot of time talking about. And I think it's important because what we've decided, what we believe as a church, is that a generous church is a healthy church. Generous people are healthy people. When we know where our value system lies, what matters to us, um, you start to see the outworking of God take place. And a verse that we use all the time to describe this is 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 8 through 8. And it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will, re- will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And we hear a verse like this and, and I think there's a, there's a certain level of familiarity that comes when we read verses. If you ever heard a giving message, you probably have heard that verse. How many know what I'm talking about? You hear the verse, you can shake your head, you're like, yep, okay, good, yep. Showing, reaping, yep, yep. I mean, we you know, we put our own spin on it, and you like maybe you call it karma, so you get out what you put in. But what I love about this is when this was being written, this was to a culture, this was during a time um where agriculture was actually a lifestyle. It was it was necessary for daily life. And so when when an agricultural uh, picture is used to describe our giving and our lifestyle, for us, we can be completely disconnected from it. Because how many of you guys uh, sow your own crops in here? Yeah, that's what I thought. Me either. Me either. We don't, this, this has a very limited ability to connect with us personally because you read a verse like this, and this is so detached from the way that we do life a lot of times. But what I love about this and what I think is cool is It's an understanding that we live in a world that says, what I take, I keep, I gain, and then I take more, and I keep, and I gain more, and that's how I grow uh, financially where I need to be, or that's how I grow to, to what I need to do, be able to take care of myself. And this idea of sowing is the exact opposite, because who knows, when you sow a crop, you don't get more crop than what you sowed. If I put in four seeds into the ground, I may get less than that, but I'm sure as heck not going to get more than that. And I think the beauty of this is God is showing us that in our generosity, in our hearts, you can't outgive God because it's the only place that you sow, and then you end up reaping more than what you actually sowed. More seeds. It doesn't make sense. Suddenly, I am reaping more than what I put out. I put out 100 seeds. Why do I have a crop of 200? Like, this doesn't make sense, but this is the way of the kingdom. And in a world that is all about taking and getting ours, we want to be a light in this world that says we are those who are open-handed and generous. We will continue to live this way because I believe with all of my heart, like I said at the beginning, that a generous church is a healthy church. A generous people is a healthy people. So we're going to pray over our our giving. As the ushers come, we're going to get ready not out of compulsion, but let's believe for God to do some incredible things through our giving. God, I just pray for this moment. It's part of our weekly service, and we do this stuff all the time, but Father, I pray that it would just, you would bring back to light the purpose, the meaning, the intention, and and the importance of why you ask specific things of us. God, I pray that we would begin to see the fruit of these things lived out in our lives. God, that we would have the opportunity to grow in, in intimacy and relationship with you as we choose to live things out the way that you designed it. We live out your recipe, and suddenly it's gonna, life is going to start to taste the way you intended it to. So, Father, we put things in your hands, and we trust you to do what only you can do, to multiply. We thank you, Father. Be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ladies, the ushers take the offering. Bianca's going to come and join us to give
4: some (laughs) announcements. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. All right. I got a lot of announcements, so I'm just going to take a stretch before I start. Fifth and sixth grade, if you are here, you are dismissed to your room your room like you're in trouble, um, to the other building. That's where your class is. I'm sure they've got some extra Halloween candy that they're going to be giving you. Sorry, parents. It's the only way to keep them happy. Um, First announcement that I have, every single Wednesday for the past couple months, we've been doing what we call a Family Connect Night. How many of y'all have been able to make it out to the Family Connect Nights? Yes! They've been so great. A time for us to kind of put aside during our week and just, it's almost like, I don't really play video games, but I think that there's this one game where there's like these arrows, and like when you hit the arrows, it like makes you go a little faster. Does everybody know who plays video? I don't know what it is, but anyway. um, It's like a little recharge in the middle of your week just to get you going so you can continue going. It's been an awesome time. This week is actually going to be our last for the season. Not forever, but for the season. We understand that holidays are coming up, and your time is pressed. You're going to be doing all kinds of stuff, so we want to kind of give you space during the holiday times to do what you need to do. So this Wednesday, 6.30 to 8 p.m. will be our last Connect event that we have for this year, basically, for this season. Um, So please come out. It's a time for adults in here, and there's going to be um, kids ministry. They've got a program for the kids that's actually at the this same building for us. Um, and at the same time, simultaneously, the teenagers get to be at another building. So if you're a parent of a teenager, that is like the biggest blessing of life, right? That you get a little space. But they have a, it going on in our north building from 630 to 8 as well. They will not be taking a break. So they'll continue afterwards. You can continue to bring your kids on Wednesday nights there. Um, also, we have on the 20th of... 20th of November, which is gonna be the following week, maybe, yes. So, we're like, no no more Connect nights, but tricked Yeah, we're gonna do a family potluck dinner. So, it's not gonna be a Connect event, but please bring some food and let's just have a Thanksgiving dinner together. We love calling our community here at Journey family. And so families eat Thanksgiving dinner together. And this is gonna be a fun time for us to kind of get together, eat, talk. It's for all ages, bring your kids. Like it's gonna be an awesome time. That will be November 20th from at 6.30. Um, Secondly, or thirdly or fourthly, can't remember, um, we have an amazing opportunity to be able to um, serve internationally this year. There is a Romanian missions trip that we are putting together. Today they're gonna have an information meeting uh, right after this service, right up those stairs to the loft that's in the collective. If you're interested in figuring out what is this all about, I wanna know what they're gonna be doing, I wanna know how much it's gonna cost, All that information will be given today. Robert's gonna kind of go over the details. So if you're interested, please go up there and join them. They're gonna have a great time. Going up there doesn't mean that you're signing your life away and you're saying, yes, I'm gonna go. It's just that you're interested in knowing more information. So please join us today for that. Where are all my men? Well, you're not my men, but you're the men of the house. Um, We actually have a group called the Barbarian Circle. They've been meeting. And um, they're having a, like a Christmas kind of, I guess it's Christmas, maybe holiday, but they're having an annual fest. feast, fast feast. Not fast, you're not fasting. Um, you will actually be eating. So it's $30 for the meal. Um, I saw jo- Josh walk in, Josh Sancito. I'm gonna call him out, there he is. So Josh, I'm volunteering you at the hot spot today at the, after this service, if you have any questions, You can head on out there and Josh will answer questions for you because I don't know what goes on in a guy's meat eating contest I don't know so the money is due on the 17th of November but it is actually December 7th that the event will be happening Um, we also have this is like I get so excited about this every year we for the last 10 years we've been doing this to serve our community here in the Antelope Valley and it's specifically geared towards the foster teens of the Antelope Valley if you know anything about the foster care system you know that the teenagers are really overlooked. That they kind of, you know, they a lot of times don't even get presents for Christmas time if they're not a part of a family that will buy Christmas presents for them. So we want to love them and we want to show them how much we love and appreciate them. So every single year we put on an event, we tear down all these chairs, we put booths around the whole building, um, and everything is free for them. It's not for us, it's for them. So we as a church have been doing this for the last 10 years, and it's been awesome. If you've been to one, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, this year, it's going to be December 6th at from 6 to 8.30 p.m. We have limited room for volunteering, um, mainly because, again, it's not about us, it's about them, and we want to make sure that we can get as many kids here without a lot of us kind of being in the way and taking up space. But one spot that we have unlimited amounts of slots to do is cleanup, and nobody ever wants to come for cleanup. But it's so fun to vacuum, and it's so fun to pick up trash, and so fun to put these chairs back together. And if you've never experienced it, Merry Christmas! This is your Christmas present. Please join us that night. We will need help at 8:30. We need as many hands as we can get for cleanup. So if that's all you, you're like, oh, that's all I can offer, that's more than enough you might get a french fry out of it. I'm not guaranteeing anything, but you might. So please, if you have any questions, we also need donations because we as a church, actually we fund the whole thing. We make sure that everything, nothing costs these kids a dime and we want to give them as much as we can. So if you have any questions or you want to donate, please go out those doors, head on over to the hot spot, chat with them and they'll give you a list of stuff that we need as well. Whew. I need to breathe. Anyway. If this is your first time here, I'm so sorry I'm talking for so long. But we're so excited that you're here that we have a gift for you at that hotspot. You go out these doors, turn to the right. We'd love to give you a little voucher to get a coffee at our coffee shop for free. And it is such good coffee. I just had some this morning, it was delicious. Now it's your turn to get up and feel a little awkward like me. Stand up, shake a hand of somebody around you, give them a high five, say good morning to someone. Thank you.
5: Everybody have a seat. It's time to keep rolling. I'm Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited about this weekend. Let me just um, say, first of all, it's a holiday weekend for a really important reason. It's Veterans Weekend, and so we want to take this time, and I know it's, uh, it's Thanksgiving. We're going to come back to that. You can warm them up because you're going to need them in a minute, because <clears throat> what we want to do is if we want to pause I I love how they actually have the calendar set so that veterans celebration, veterans, you know, kind of weekend happens um, in the same season as Thanksgiving. Because it's a natural place where we take a moment and pause and just think about what it is that we get to celebrate as people who live in America. The greatest country in the world, in my my consideration anyway, as far as I can see, but um, I would just say this. These are people who have risked life and limb so that we can continue to live in a, in a crazy, chaotic world. You know, it's really, really tough to have a place where, you know, we can feel safe without people who stand to protect our freedoms. And so I wanted to say to you veterans, if you're here today, would you do me a favor? I will not want to embarrass you, but would you mind standing just so we can say thank you, our veterans this morning? Come on, guys. Well done. Thank you. God bless you guys. Thank you. You can be seated. We know that in our world that veterans are some of the leading people who would, if if it comes to depression and suicide, they're experiencing these record amounts of uh, suicide and and difficulty returning to life in in just kind of the civilian world after serving. And there are so many things that are just kind of working against them. But... But I just am so grateful we have things like Point Man Ministries. And I see George here this morning. George Palermo is a friend of ours from way back. He has moved away now, but he was part of our original team that they came and they started Point Man International, directed it right here. And now Glenn has taken up the, the charge. And they serve veterans in our community. And they meet weekly. And these two guys just raise your hand so that if anybody had a question, they could see you. These guys are being part of that. They're available if you have questions about. Things that we have and services and and maybe opportunities for veterans to connect around issues that they feel uh, very strongly. And not only that, I'd like to pray this morning. I'd like to pray blessing over those of you who are veterans. But I want to add in those of you who are active military, those of you who are in law enforcement corrections. We live in a world that more than ever needs structure in its craziness. And everything is pushing against the fact that we need a society with rules an organization. And I know how difficult it can feel to be a person who is trying to stand for things that that matter and feel like, man, the world is just kind of pushing in every direction against what is sound or sometimes safe. I want to pray for these people because they're put in a very precarious position to keep our world less chaotic. So can we just pray over our veterans and those who are serving us in these ways? God, as we come right now, I just want to pause. I want to acknowledge the fact that the very fact that I'm standing here today, proclaiming Jesus, is because we have had people who have given life and limb so that we have that freedom. We don't take it lightly. It's easy to forget what it is that we have, but God, we we pause specifically today. Just think of our veterans and all those who have. And we're not warring people. We are peace-loving people. We know what it means, Lord God, to celebrate and to love peace. And we know that it comes at a very high price. So we want to ask you, God, just just grace our veterans today. Grace those in military service, those in law enforcement, those who, who have to take a position to stand against things that would be, just cause us greater brokenness and chaos as a society. That, Lord that you would give them wisdom. You would give them grace. You would give them care and understanding of how vital their role is, as well as how it's ordained by you. These, as in scriptures, everyone in authority, it's been given by God. So they would use that authority for good. And that you would just grace them with the ability, ability to have, just to sense things and see things and know things. And then, Lord God, to stand and do their duty with diligence and character and integrity. And we thank you, Lord, for that. Today, we pray your blessing over them. Guide them and direct them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thank you, veterans. And it's a time of Thanksgiving. It's a time of celebrating what we have. And this past week, I had a bit of deja deja vu. I don't know about you, but, you know, some things are just triggers. This was one. As you might have known, I've been sick. Tyler covered me last weekend. What, what happened is I got this um, nasty virus or whatever, and about six, seven, eight days in i 'm like it 's not going anywhere what 's going on and immediately, I start getting this panic sense because i 've got these really sharp pains right here in my liver area where it just takes me directly back to a year or so ago when when you know I had that incredible uh, they found that virus that had destroyed a large portion of my liver it was eating away at me, and anyway I was feeling the same symptoms, and after a week of it not going away, and I'm like seven, eight days in, I'm like, i better call the doctor. I was like, please call the doctor. Well, she was the one who said it. I didn't say it, and I just said, okay, finally, like most dudes, it's like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, until you're not, and then so I called. Got, got, the doctor wanted to see me. I went in and saw the doctor, and the next thing you know, because of my symptoms, the fevers, the aches, and all the other things that were going on, I'm back in the tube. How many of you know what the tube is? You ever got, and think about who Nero was. Nero was a guy who was basically a big-time party guy. He was a wild and crazy guy, had numerous public affairs. He thought himself a great actor, so he put together a drama troupe, and he would perform for people, and nobody dared not applaud because they were terrified for their life. They feared him. Basically, he bankrupted Rome. He spent over five times more money for gifts for his friends than what it cost to maintain the entire Roman army for a year. He ran it into the ground. He became insecure in his leadership because people began pointing out his flaws. So he began murdering anybody who got in his way or became an obstacle, including his own wife, his mother, and a brother-in-law. A stepbrother, I should say. In July of year 64, we know the great fire that broke out in Rome that torched 14 of the 17 districts of Rome. So... The majority of Rome was burning, and some scholars and historians believe that Nero was responsible for it, but it's not proven, it's not clear, but as a way of covering the fact that he had bankrupted the country and got it into great trouble. And what Nero did with that is he deflected the blame from himself for the fire and all the damage that was going on to the religious Fact, that group that had started with a little group of twelve or so guys and had now grown to where it was literally popping up all over the Roman Empire, turning communities upside down. This little group called the way, their leader was a man who they'd crucified named Jesus. And usually when you get rid of the leader, when you cut off the head, the serpent dies, but they were saying, Man, This one's, it's like you slam a, you know, you slam a hammer on or a sledgehammer on a burning log, and the sparks just went in everywhere, and it's getting worse. It's not getting better. So he turned the blame on the Christians. And then they began to torture them, kill them, martyr them by the thousands. Historian Tacitus describes these atrocities. He said, covered with the skins of beasts. Christians were torn apart by dogs and perished. Or they were nailed to crosses or were doomed to the flames and burned alive to serve as nightly illumination when daylight had expired. And it was very well known and documented that Nero would use Christians as human torches to light his evening garden parties. Literally running a beam right up through the backside of Christians dipping them in a a flammable substance, lighting them in fire, just as amusement and light. Folks, when we talk about what's going on in the Christian world, the brutality that was taking place right when Paul was writing this, it maybe gives us a a little more perspective about when Paul's talking about something that should bring worry and concern. How many of you are worried about walking out of here getting burned alive? fed to dogs, torn in half? How many of us have to stress over the fact that if we declare that we are followers of the way, our neighbors will turn us in, and we will be publicly ridiculed, we will eventually be arrested, and death will probably follow? How many of us have those kinds of stresses? No, but we have our own stresses. And eventually, the tension of the Roman leaders was so great that the Senate called them a... Declared him a public enemy and he was run out of Rome and he committed suicide at 30 years old but this is the world this is the climate this is the leadership we find happening when Paul sits down to write what it means to follow Jesus in tense and difficult times so when you read these words think of the world that you're in and the stress and the trouble and the conflict and then think what it means to be a person like Paul who was so free to just take joy in every moment because of his beliefs. Here's what he believed. He said in Roman, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter four verse six. "Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to break that down a minute because how do we live lives where we can be full of joy? How do we live lives where we can just be abounding in a sense of well-being of our lives when we're in the crisis moments and times of worry? First thing Paul says, refuse to coast into that spot of worry. Refuse. To coast into worry. And here's what I find most of us, he says, don't worry about anything. And and worry in the Greek, literally merimnao, is to be anxious about, to have care, to take thought, to let something occupy your mind that leads you to stress or anxiety. Anything like that in your world? Here's what we've discovered, and we talked about that in a former series. Most humans don't realize that when your mind has gone into neutral, when you don't have an active thought which you are working over, and again, it's not that we don't have concern and we don't have to process and we don't have to figure out problems, it's not what he's saying. He's saying, but there's that place that we go when we get that overwhelming sense of, oh, like, oh no, or like, what am I going to do, or like, I don't know how to handle this, I'm so stressed was saying, hey, that moment, it's, it's usually not because you have waken, woken up in the morning. You're like, you know what? I've got a few moments before I have to go to work. What can I worry about? You know, I, I got a light. It looks like I'm going to be here for a few minutes. So how can I stress? What do I need to be anxious about right now? Who should I be? I should probably be worried about something. It's not that we do that. It's, it's the fact that the human nature is that we naturally just coast into it. We just kind of move in that direction of negativity and letting the things and the problems of our lives come back into focus when we have a moment free. Paul's saying knowing that tendency, don't let your mind drift into the negative, into worry. Don't let your cares like just kind of eclipse the joy of life, the goodness of God, and the delight of living with Jesus. Don't let it happen. Don't worry about anything. We feel uneasy, upset, or stressed without even trying we just coast there and he's like stop the drift of negativity stop it don't allow it don't allow that worry and wait he means right don't worry about the big things right i mean just just trust him no he means don't worry about anything i looked it up in the greek and anything means anything don't don't stress about it when you worry about something guess what happens it gets bigger has anybody ever criticized you and at first, you're like, you know, all defensive, or like, like, well, you're wrong. You know, you, there's something obviously wrong with you if you think that about me, because I know who I am. And whatever, you defend yourself. But then, later to yourself, you're like, well, what? You know, you start thinking about it, and it starts getting under your skin. Pretty soon, it's like, I bet they're talking to people at work. You know, those people have been acting a little bit different to me. And all of a sudden, it's a conspiracy, and everybody's talking about it, and you're the bad guy. And you, it grows in your mind. Things get bigger. And, well, she hasn't responded. You know, she hasn't texted back, and it's been, like, almost three seconds. And I, I haven't heard back from that person. And, like, I wonder what's going on. It must be a problem. We've got something going on. I mean, well, there was that time, this thing. And you just, when you start worrying about stuff, it just gets bigger and bigger, and it eclipses everything else. Why? Because when whatever you focus on grows. And, by the way, that we've learned this over the years. This is a physical fact. You were not born a worrier. You learned it you developed a habit. It's brought into our family structures. It's brought into our world. And the good news, if you learned how to worry, you can unlearn how. To, you can take it away. If you learned how to do it, you can learn how to stop doing it. We can learn not to. After all, worry is unreasonable. It's unnatural. It's unhealthy. I told my 90-year-old grandma one time, she used to worry wart, and I just told her, grandma, don't you know that 95% of the things they've statistically proven 95% of the things you worry about will never happen she goes see it works (laughs) sorry grandma you missed the point anyway it's the idea that it's unhealthy our bodies are not equipped for the stress that comes from our worries you know if anybody ever said I'm in I'm worried sick well you are that's a physiological effect Emotional side effects we know, anxiety, chronic worry, panic attacks. But did you know that worry triggers all kinds of physical side effects? Headaches, stomach problems, blood pressure elevation, chest pain, insomnia, irritability. Irritability. You living with a cranky person, ask them, what are you worried about? You're stressing me out. You're, you know, sweating. We'd, We'd put those guys out of business if we quit sweating so much. Just quit worrying, right? Inability to concentrate. Add to the fact chronic worry and stress hormones that are introduced through that destroy our bodies to have serious consequences, including suppressing our immune system, digestive disorders, muscle tension, memory loss, coronary heart disease, all of this stuff. It's directly linked to the fact that we just ball it up inside. And I heard somebody say, it's not so much what you're eating that matters. It's what's eating you. And if what we basically, what we don't manage, what we don't deal with, what we swallow, what we stuff down, literally turns to a bomb inside. So we go back and forth like a rocking chair. There's a lot of activity, but no progress. We're not going anywhere. The only thing that worry does is it changes you, makes you more miserable. It's stewing without doing, I, I, when When you think about it, worry cannot change the past. Your past is over it cannot control the future the only thing worry does is contaminate the present it brings this yuck to the moment that you're in right now and as I'm laying in that stupid you know gurney and uh, they're saying okay Mr. Elmore it's going to be a little bit and blah 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 we're going to inject this stuff you're going to get this hot flash and you're going to taste metal and it's all this as I'm laying there I'm like here we go again and, it, you know, immediately I'm thinking, oh, man, I don't have life insurance. What am I, you know, I'm thinking all these things that start hitting me. I'm like, oh, you know, am I prepared for what's coming? And, and, and you just go there. And you have to, you have, literally have to stop, 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 stop. And I had to literally tell myself, stop. There's this passage for the week. Don't worry about anything. There's something bigger going on. It's not that it's, it's maybe not real or there's not a problem, but there, there may be. But basically, worry comes from a misunderstanding of what God is really like and what's happening in the world. See, You're a part of a redemptive story that happened eons ago before you came on the planet. And your one little cultural moment, your one little slice of time is all that you have, so you're really concerned about it. It really matters more than anything else in all of the world to you. But not to God. God has more children and more experience and more time. As a matter of fact, eons passed. He'd been here all along. Into the future, he's there too. Our misunderstanding is that God doesn't have control of things. Sure, he gave the world to humans and told us to take control, to care for it, to oversee it. And he's allowed us freedom, and our freedoms hurt each other. They hurt us, they hurt... That's just a short in our wire. Sorry, that happens every now and then. They're not telling me to shut up, but... Or maybe they are. Sorry, it's God. But basically... Worry, it basically just takes our eyes off of God, and it helps. It really causes us to think God doesn't have this. Either He's not loving, or He's not powerful. Either God can't do anything, or He's not willing to do anything. I'm in on this. I'm on on my own in this, and that brings us to that place. where then, if God isn't in charge, I better take charge. I better control things, and it's hard to be in a relationship with somebody that you don't trust, isn't it? It's hard for somebody who knows they're not trusted to really love. Because when you don't love somebody, when you don't trust somebody, it affects the relationship. When you don't trust somebody's driving, if I were to say, Lori, you know, no, I got it, I got it. Yeah, but I have a driver's license too. I can help. No, no, I've got it. But, but you've been driving for eight hours, run on this road trip, and you're like, I've been, you've been, yeah, I know, but, I, you know, sure, I care about you and I love you, but I just don't trust you i don't want you i can't give you the wheel i have to i have to stay in control that's what we're doing with worry we're saying god i can't trust you i gotta hang i gotta be in charge i'm not sure what you'll do with this thing i'm not sure you'll run me up into a problem i'm not gonna let go and so worry you have to stop 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 don't worry about anything then what replace your worries with prayers he says pray about everything tell god what you need when you start to panic pray instead and i've said it a dozen times Turn your worries into prayers and give them to God. Paul's just saying there's a natural, and and this sounds so simple that we forget to do it. We literally just bypass this and go straight back to worry. Back to, I got the wheel. I'm going to take care. I don't know what God's up to, but he's not involved here. So I'm going to take over. Philippians 4, 6 through 8 tells us, when these problems come to your mind, don't waste time worrying, but get busy praying. Tell God what you need. Because doesn't that just indicate right there? Paul's experience is like what I've learned in all of my shipwrecks. I was stoned and left for dead. Stoned as in they put you in a pit, they throw rocks at you until you're dead. He said he was left for dead multiple times. He was beaten, he was flogged, he was shipwrecked. He was saying, in all these things, I learned that actually God is still good and he can be trusted and he's got a bigger plan for my life. So I just pray about it, I take it all to him. If it isn't worth praying about, it isn't worth worrying about. If we would pray more, we'd worry less. If, what we prayed, if we prayed about everything, we wouldn't have to worry about it so much. Because prayer changes things. Worry doesn't. So when you start to worry, stop. And, and here's basically my little remedy. Here's what I did, what I'm doing, what I practice. First of all, I just stop and I breathe. You know, sometimes just a deep breath is so cleansing. Ah. <sighs> And when I breathe, I just release the tension, and then I pray, I say, "Okay, God, you know what's going on right now. You know what's happening in this part of the finances or the personal life or the, this person's story. You know, you know my problem." And then I trust. Repeat. So breathe, pray, trust, repeat. Breathe, pray, trust, repeat. And that just brings a sense of, "Oh man, God, you're in charge." First Peter five seven. Give all your worries to God. Give all your cares he cares about you. Give all your worries and cares to God. Because why? This is Peter, the guy who rejected Jesus and then became the, the leader of the church. He's like, because what I've learned and all my failures and all my bad decisions, I've learned, God's still crazy about you. God still loves you. Give it to him. Sometimes I wonder if some of my problems aren't just, sometimes God's way of just reminding me that he's there and I need him. I, I was just reminded yesterday, um, Lori, Lori's playing with Onyx, my grandson, he's the cutest kid ever, just if you wanted to know, and they're playing, but what she'd do is, is she would pound on the floor and go, ah, like she's going to get him, and he's just, you know, and of course, he wants to run and hold her, ha, ah, you know, this is, it's a game, you scare them, and they hug you, that's a great game, I mean, this is, this, it works, and I've, I've tried it on my kids, and what I love, though, when my kids were small, and there was something that scared them or something that worried. There was something that they weren't sure about. They weren't feeling well. Man, that's the time. They wanted to cuddle. They wanted to be close. They wanted to hold on. And I just can't help. And I, I couldn't prove this theologically, but I just wonder sometimes if God just misses our desire just to draw close and just to get in tight and just to say, God, I need you. And I, I care. And I know you care about me. So I just want to sit in your lap for a minute. I just want to draw near. I just want to get my attention on the fact that you really are my father. And you care about me. I just, I just need a hug. I wonder if God doesn't sometimes just look at our problems as ways to allow us to draw near again. Next, remember to give thanks. Final and simple, give thanks. Thank Him for all He has done. First Thessalonians, another letter that Paul wrote, he said, "Rejoice always." In other words, man, just, just let your joy explode. Just be a joy explosion. Just always, be quick to celebrate the good in the world. Be joy-filled, right? Pray without ceasing, and then what? Give thanks in all circumstances. There it is again. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Just give thanks. Clearly, thankfulness is like part of what it means to follow Jesus. It's a big part of walking in the way. And when it comes to becoming good at something, we said this all last series, practice makes perfect what you practice is what you become. It's not what you feel that changes your life. It's not what you even think. It's what you practice. It's what you practice. It's what you practice that transforms you. Thinking healthy thoughts, great. Not gonna fix you. I mean, it's going, when you practice, and for me this whole year I've been like practicing healthier things, Eat, juicing and eating, you know, all these healthy smoothies and taking care of myself, resting, Sabbathing, all these things. And so you get to that moment, you're like, okay, I'm doing all my part. Now I need to just be thankful. Add to that gratitude. It'll change your life. David, uh, Brian o. Rast, I'm sorry, Steinel Rast is a Benedictine monk, a thinker, a philosopher, and he, he basically was a, did a TED Talk on the subject of gratitude. Been viewed over 5 million times. Here's what he said. It's not happiness that makes you grateful it's gratefulness that makes you happy it's powerful we don't become grateful once we're happy we become happy once we're grateful this is so powerful we all know people in our lives that have arrived <clears throat> or at least are in that position where you thought man if I could just get there I'd be so much better off I would be happy I'd be less stressed I'd be less if we could just get if I could just have if I could just arrive at <clears throat> We all feel like there are people, we see people in our lives who have that and they're not happy. And you're thinking, but I'm different. I would be. But are you now? I remember, I remember when I was, you know, starting out as a youth pastor and I got my first, you know, paycheck. And I was, you know, making like 20000 a year and having had a family and all this. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, $1,100, that's amazing. It'll be nice when that can actually pay the rent, but it's really a good start. You know, I'm like, I'm so excited. I was like, this, man, if I could just make, you know, $28,000, i would be rich. If I could make 30000 if I could. And I was looking at that earlier days, and I'm thinking, man, and, and uh, after the kids had gone, you know, to school and all that, Lori went back to work, and it's kind of like, finally, we got to that place. And I'm like, but now I got all these new problems, and I got all these new expenses. And, and I'm telling you, just having more stuff does not make you more happy. It just makes you more stressed because you gotta worry about your stuff. And now I gotta have a garage because I gotta put all that stuff somewhere. That what I'm saying is the point is be thankful. Gratefulness right now, right now, whatever you're going through. If you're in a prison cell in Rome, awaiting your standing before Nero, or if you're just in a job with a really cranky boss, if you're in a marriage with a somewhat unappreciative Spouse, if you're in a family where your kids are kind of out of control, or if you're in a situation where you're single and you don't want to be, and you don't know what to do because you feel like time is passing, and God's saying, Listen, I get it. I see it. I care about it. And I want you to, in this moment, recognize who I am. Celebrate that. Worship is just celebrating the good that God has brought in the midst of whatever you're going through. That's worship. That's gratitude. That's thankfulness. And because Gratitude actually leads us to happier, more joy-filled lives. Uh, There was another TED Talk. My family loves TED Talks. Lori was talking about this one. Dr. Brene Brown, she's a research professor who spent um, 13 years interviewing and surveying people, like like 11,000 people. She discovered every time she found somebody that she said was living a full and joyful or a happy life, what she called a full-hearted life, they had these characteristics. These people were given to gratitude. They were full of thankfulness and appreciation, and they practiced gratitude as a choice, as a discipline on a regular basis. They practiced gratitude. Those were the happiest of all the people she ran into, constant and continual. Those quality traits were in all the happy people she met. I'm just telling you, when you start practicing thankfulness, you start giving thanks daily, start lifting up some of those areas of your life that you just want to give god thanks for it it just literally lifts the clouds out of your view things change it's a practice you can do every day thank him for all he's done thank him for all he's done and i just think if you don't know where to begin can i recommend take the psalms all right if you got a bible with not a whole lot of stuff in the back like all the helps if it's just a regular Bible, you just open it right in the middle pretty much you're going to land somewhere in the psalms Psalms are songs or or they're poetry written about and to God. David wrote a whole bunch of them. And David was a guy who was literally running for his life. And when you start reading the Psalms, you start reading about a guy who was running for his life, who was literally crying out to God, God, please be aware that my enemies are lying about me. They're doing all these horrible things. God, strike them dead. Get them, Lord. But in the middle of this, I worship you. In the middle of all my pain, I cry out to you. And I realize that you are my source of life, and you are my source of joy. And when you start reading these things, it's like, man, it frames it for you. It puts it in a whole new light. Not only that, but I've learned that worship music really helps. I'm, I'm not a big music listening guy. I mean, I love you know, like orchestral music and symphonic and all the stuff without words, um, jazz or whatever. I, I really like that stuff because I'm ADD, and I'll get distracted if I hear things sung. And so, But Tyler, he's always listened to worship music when he prepares his messages, so... I mean, I started getting in the habit of listening to worship for a while and literally just having the right music in the right time. It just soothes your soul and just brings it back into perspective of how good and how great and how amazing God is. And it just kind of frames it for me. Another one that I do is I'll take a drive or I'll take a walk or I'll be in nature. I'll sit and watch the sunrise. I'll just pause for a little bit at a sunset. I'll just look at all the trees that go down that are changing colors. And it just brings joy again. It just brings me back to this God. Every single day, you call the sun to rise. And it rises. And all day long, you watch over creation. And you give life and breath and food and care and sustenance to all you make. And God, it's amazing. And every night, you cause the sun to go back down. And we get to celebrate once again your goodness. And then you cause me to rest The body can recover and you're in charge of it all while I'm awake or while I'm asleep you're in charge and God you're good every day I can celebrate this and if you don't know what what else you have to be thankful for let me give you a final reminder Paul told his friend Titus this letter to Titus Paul says when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done but because of his mercy he washed away our sins guys he washed away our sins if you want to know what happened when you did that thing and that thing that's haunted you and that thing that you can't in that addiction you can't kick and that stuff that's just still kind of lingering and that junk that just kind of clouds your soul and it reflects badly on you and if anybody knew oh man that he's saying it's like i brought the fire hoses from heaven and i just blasted the guilt and shame and the judgment of that away. It's all been placed on Jesus, right? He washed our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight, and He gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. (laughs) We can give thanks for a lot of things, but as we wrap up today, He wants you to know that to to just take over all the other stresses of your life, he's He's taken care of the things in your future that you worry about. The ultimate issues of your life, God said, I've got it. I've got it. And I want you to know that when you place your faith in Jesus, when you become a person who has signed on, just truly trusted him with your sins and your past and your failures, knowing that those things are a violation of God's plan, knowing the Bible calls them sin, that that has literally caused death to you and the relationships in the world around you. Your and my and our sin brings death. But he said, but the gift of God through Jesus Christ brings life that's your opportunity in christ those who are in christ who abandon project self i'm going to make myself good enough for god to like me you abandon that and you just throw yourself in the mercy of god he gives you forgiveness he secures your past with god's with jesus blood it's been washed you've been made new he secures your present He pours his Holy Spirit in you that leads you and guides you and prompts you and encourages you and teaches you and counsels you. And he secures your future. He gives you forever in heaven. This is the story of our great God. It's what he's done. And in Philippians 4, 7, finishes that whole text we started with. If you do this, Stop worrying. Start praying. Start thanking. Guess what? You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. His peace will guard. It's a military term. It's literally one who posts a sentry to make sure things are kept the way they are meant to be. God says, when you treat, Paul's saying, when you live this way, that great God is going to post a sentry in your heart and mind that's going to help make sure that you stay continually in the presence, the care, and, and the faith of Jesus. I want to close today in prayer, and what I want to do is I want to practice this right here. As we close, I want you to bow your heads with me, and I just want you to take whatever it is that's taking your mind away from life and joy and relationship. And health and happiness and all the good in this season. I want you to take that right now. And just as Paul said, I want you to give it to God. That Bi- The Bible talks about that. We're to cast our cares. That literally means to throw them. To get rid of them in haste. To get, disemburden yourself. So I just want you to picture yourself just like handing them to God. God, what it is right now in my mind is this. And here it is. So let's pray together. God, as we close... Every one of us has our stresses, our concerns, the things that weigh us, burden us, stress us. And today in the world that we live in, there's more than than usual amount of stress and worry with what's going on relationally, politically, spiritually, racially, morally, all these things. God, we got so much And we just want to realize that it's your world and you are in the driver's seat and we're partners with you but God we want to give you all our cares our worries our stresses right now and I myself am handing you mine God as the rest of us do hand theirs we invite you we invite you in folks it's important that you name them between you and God that you name them and you just call them this is what I'm giving you I'm giving you that relationship situation you know I'm giving you this problem, I'm giving you that thing I did, that thing, and you just give it to him. And some of you, what you need right now is more than anything, you feel prompted that you don't have a relationship with God and that you're learning, you're growing, you're open, but now today you feel prompted that it's time to step in faith in the direction of trusting God with your life. And it's it can be as simple as just making your first step. You don't have to know everything, but you are prompted and god is opening your heart then here's your opportunity you can do it with a prayer maybe just between us you could just these are the words and you can use your own but god i just give you my life i open my heart and my life to you i ask you to come in forgive my sins my trespasses my failures do like the scripture said that when i open my heart to you you come in and wash away my past you wash away the guilt and the shame and the judgment i won't face it because jesus did And I put my trust in you, and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit, like Paul said, that I can now live a life rejoicing, no matter what. Lead me, Lord God, and teach me to follow you. I place my faith in you and Jesus. Guys, as we close, I want to sing one last song of celebration, so let's join together. Stand with me as we sing, as we wrap up today. Let's worship together.
0: falls and won't prevent cause the got I serve knows all.